Greetings, Hoops Heads. Welcome to Locked On Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Wednesday, April 20... Hmm, 23rd? Wow. Time flies. And I've got Josh Lloyd from Locked On NBA and Locked On Fantasy Basketball here to discuss last night's loss to the uh, to the Rockets. How you doing, Josh? Go to Laco. It's uh, good to be on. Happy to have you. And uh, first, I want to talk about that last play because uh, that was definitely a heartbreaker for Warriors fans. But from a neutral perspective, uh, tell me uh, what you expected to happen and 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 uh, what you thought about how everything ended up. Which which last play? The the last play I want- before they put time back on the clock because that uh, that bothered me quite a bit. But. Uh, the one with Durant had, I don't understand why he gave the ball up to Clay. Uh, Clay was clearly trapped. looked like he didn't really know what he was doing with it. He looked awkward trying to dribble the ball in. I don't know why Kerr didn't call the timeout. It just looked like there was confusion all over the place, all over the court with guys not doing what they needed to do on, on that last play. Um, the other one, the, after the uh, free throws, went, Curry had a, a great look for three. And I, I thought he sure did. was going in. I thought that I thought this is going in. There's no doubt. I can't believe he was able to get as wide open as he was on that shot. He nails that as often as anybody, and especially in that sort of situation. But, but back to that other one, I don't know. There was just a lot of confusion. It just felt like that they weren't. Um, I don't know. They weren't in sync with each other on that last play. I don't know if that was fatigue. I don't know if it was gen- genuine confusion about what was needed to be done at that spot in regard to play calling and that sort of stuff. But it it, it bothered me from a neutral perspective watching it. And thinking, why don't they know what they're doing here? Yeah, no, I agree completely. And, uh, you know, you expect Kevin Durant to pull up in that moment. I expected Kevin Durant yeah. to pull up in that moment. And uh, the fact that he passed the ball off to Clay was a little bit baffling. And then, you know, Clay kind of dribbling into traffic. Uh, the whole play was very disjointed. Like you said, they're not, they were completely out of sync. I felt like they were out of sync for much of the fourth quarter, uh, going cold. Uh, in the middle, and then fighting back and uh, man- managing to get a one-point lead before that kind of everlasting five-point uh, Rockets lead. It felt interminable throughout the fourth quarter. Well, it's 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 amazing the way the game swung. We saw the end of the third quarter where, where Curry basically just said, well, we're winning this game and I'm going to just destroy whoever's in my path. And then it just stopped. I don't, I don't know. I know Curry sat at the start of that fourth quarter and Houston really got rolling, but it felt like it was another one of those inevitable Warriors third quarter performances where by the, the start of the fourth quarter, three minutes in, you go, well, this, this one's done. Let's just uh, play it out. But I, I don't know what it was. How much do you think fatigue was a factor? Because even the Rockets guys, like Harden looked like he, he was ruined. Like he could barely move. It appeared down the stretch. The Warriors, obviously without Andre Iguodala, were going uh, with a, a different sort of rotation. And that clearly impacted them in terms of Iguodala not having that or not having Iguodala there to provide that defense, meaning other responsibilities were, were pushed onto other players. Do you think that it was a fatigue issue that caused that, you know, that fourth quarter, I guess, um, malfunction? No, it certainly could have been Warriors going basically eight deep with two minutes for Quinn Cook. I don't really count those. And, uh, you know, it was it was tough with uh, Draymond going 45 and a half, Kevin Durant 43. You're, go- you're going to get tired. You're going to get extremely tired. And, yeah. Uh, I don't want to blame fatigue for those missed shots. You know, there were a lot of missed shots in the fourth quarter. Uh, Curry had one where he just, 
made it to the cup with relative ease and just couldn't get it above the rim. And that was uh, disappointing in the bar I was sitting at. A lot of people were just uh, really dejected after that one because it just felt like there was a lid on the basket. And fatigue could have played a role, but I'm sure that uh, the Warriors would look at execution as the main reason that they lost the fourth quarter and ultimately the game. The fourth quarter stats are absolutely staggering when you have a look at them. They shot 16% from the field. They were 0 of 6 from 3. They only hit three baskets in the entire quarter. Durant, he was 1 of 5. Curry was 1 of 8. And Sean Livingston was 1 of 2. Thompson didn't hit a shot. Draymond was 0 of 1. Kevon Looney didn't even attempt a shot. Nick Young amazingly played two minutes and didn't get a shot up as well. That is just all-timely bad level of shooting that you don't expect from this team. Like, yeah, you can have cold games and cold quarters. And, you know, the, the Warriors had Durant, Curry, and Clay all shooting under 40% for the game. But you don't expect a team this talented in a clutch situation to shoot 17% for a quarter. It's just not something that, again, is sustainable to happen in every other game. But it's just not something you expect to happen even as a once-off. No, definitely. You don't expect it to happen. And like you said, you don't expect Curry to miss that last shot, but he did. You know, uh, the Warriors ultimately, I don't think, deserved to win this game. To use um, a kind of something that they use in footy, you know, they always say, oh, you know, I feel like uh, Blank and Blake Chelsea deserved the win or didn't deserve the win, but they got it anyway. The Warriors didn't deserve the win tonight. I don't think that um, that their poise under pressure was very good it's something where i think it might be some sort of a reality check to golden state where it's like well if we're not on like this team is actually really good defensively yeah exactly casual people might not see that you know i agree with you completely i think they fell asleep multiple times allowing those momentum swings they fell asleep after the first quarter and the second quarter was a thumping they fell asleep after the third quarter and the fourth quarter the Rockets showed that they're an extremely good team, a team that deserved every single one of their 65 wins. But I want to say a couple of things. First, uh, I was wrong. You know, I predicted that the Warriors would win this game. I, I have to tell my listeners uh, I was not right. The Warriors uh, lost, but I'm still going with Warriors in six because I, I don't know. I'm, I believe, I guess. And two, you know, I just... Uh, there was one block of a jump shot in this game. I have a drinking game, Josh, that uh, that I play with the listeners, where every time a warrior blocks a jump shot, you take a shot. And tonight it was Nick Young. Nick Young blocked a jump shot tonight, people. I hope you took a shot. But uh, we have to take a quick break for our sponsors. We'll be right back. All right, and we're back. I'm a little tipsy. Uh, it's morning for Josh Lloyd, and uh, we're having a podcast. And uh, I, 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 I want to talk about a couple of things that I saw, and particularly from Kevin Durant and Stephen Curry, which was they played poorly, and still managed to to to, to uh, score, you know, a ton of points, and. I, I just don't feel like either of their games was was particularly good. Curry, 6 of 13 from 3, is the numbers are proving me wrong. But I just don't... Maybe it was the execution down the stretch that really bothered me. But I just don't feel that the Warriors were 
in particular, Curry and Durant were very good. And I'm wondering how you uh, how you view the situation, Josh. Well, Curry obviously had a, a really strong third quarter, and you, you said he hit those threes at a high rate. But he was on his on his two pointers. He was four of thirteen, which is clearly you know, not not where he normally is, and not the sort of thing that you expect from Curry to be as inefficient as as what he what he was there in uh, in two point range. Um, look, that's just not what the sort of player he is. Durant did struggle at times. I, I think look, they got their points. They didn't do it as well as they normally would. The big thing to me, though, is the absence of Andre Iguodala because you have Sean Livingston and Nick Young playing 28 minutes combined and being a combined minus 29. Now, obviously, combining those numbers doesn't necessarily work. They're minus 14 for Nick Young and minus 15 for Livingston in that time. And that is, you know, that, that's a big, big um, negative deficit that you've got to try and deal with when you know, Durant's a plus two and Clay's a plus seven and Steph's a plus ten and Draymond's a minus three because he played pretty much the entire game. But having to put in 28 minutes of Young and Livingston in there when Andre Iguodala's getting your 28 minutes normally and providing that defensive difference, I think that's more of an issue. And it enables guys like Durant, like Curry, to not have as large a defensive responsibility because if Curry's playing in there with Young, he's a better defender than Nick Young, so he's got to take more responsibility. If he's in there with Iguodala, then then Andre's the guy who's going to have more of that defensive responsibility. So it changes that, and that leads to more fatigue and poor shot-making and poor decision-making down the stretch as well. Yeah, that's a fantastic point. You know, going back to the first half, I thought... Uh... I thought that Curry was a little bit tentative in that second quarter, and I felt myself thinking, there's not enough Curry right now. You know, he did, he was able to turn it on, uh, but specifically, what do you think it is about the swings in his game as opposed to a Kevin Durant who's pretty steady, steadily scoring at the same rates every game, whereas Curry has these kind of like ups and downs within the game and ups and downs from game to game. Yeah, it, it's a it's a strange one. Maybe it is just a uh, a conditioning thing. You know, obviously there are types of injuries you can have where you can maintain your level of cardio fitness at, at an elite level, but obviously a lower body, especially a knee injury, is not one of those ones. And yeah, he's been back for a couple of weeks now, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're getting back into shape. There's a chance that he came back maybe a little bit earlier than what he was what uh, was necessary. I don't know that for sure. That's, that's speculation. But I think that might be some of it. It's conserving some energy at times, not having that extra 2% burst where he's able to get that. Yeah, maybe it's only two inches of separation on shots. Maybe it's that that's causing some of those issues and uh, your body just naturally going into preservation mode when you aren't 100%. Oh, I don't know about you, Aliko, but I don't know if there's something that's just not right if I'm running and I go, oh, okay, that feels a bit weird. Like your whole body, it, it adjusts, it, it compensates in every other area. And if he is not 100% right, on that knee, if it's 99, 99.5, that 0.5 percentage difference just changes everything about the way you move, the way you move your back, the way you move your other leg, the way you move your hips, the way you move your neck. Your body just does these minuscule adjustments, and maybe that's the part of it as he's getting the cardio fitness back and the, and the knee's not quite right, leading to him just sort of, maybe not even uh, voluntarily, just sort of fading out to preserve that, uh, that overall health. Yeah, I'm inclined to to believe Curry when he says he's 100%. But, uh, I, let's be honest, Aliko, there's absolutely no athlete in the, in the 
in a series who's going to say, you know what, I'm, I'm not right. Every time, mate, as soon as I could get on the court, I'm 100%. If I'm playing, I'm 100%. No no one is going to ever say that. And he can say that as many times as he wants. And I don't don't even care. He might be 100%. I'll just never believe him when he says it. (laughs) For sure. For sure. Uh, That grade two MCL sprain, definitely something that is not a simple injury to get over. And he did, you know, lose a ton of time. So uh, we're right to speculate i think but um i also think that uh this is at at this point potentially a referendum on curry's playoff chops you know uh always and and durability specifically because he seems to catch injuries near the end of the season and then not be right in the playoffs and so it's like uh going to the to the finals year after year after year, can we count on him to play a full six months? Because his regular seasons up until this season have been very uh, consistent. You know, 78, you know, 79, plenty of games. This year, not so great, but the playoffs are a different story. He misses time in the playoffs. He misses time nearly every playoffs. And if it's not a knee, it's an ankle or this or that, and so the question is, you know, after about five months, does Curry, four or five months, does Curry's body start to say, okay, you, you're pushing me, you're pushing me, you're pushing me. Uh, because this, this seems to happen year after year. And, you know, I don't want to, you know, anger my listeners who, Curry is God. You know, we all know this. The threes is, you know, praise be unto his name. But at the same time, yeah, you just have to wonder how how durable he is and, and how does that play into, in particular, the game plan that Houston has to run him through everything, to just pound him and uh, to make him move his feet, which he did, but, uh, you know, still was attacked repeatedly. I Look, we, we see it through the course of, of NBA history that getting back to multiple finals in a row is tough. We saw the Heat getting back to their fourth finals in a row, and they were cooked by the end of it by game two of that finals against the Spurs. You could just see it. They were just like, we can't do this. Like Our bodies can't handle this anymore. And this is the Warriors heading back into their fourth finals, obviously their fourth conference finals in a row, yeah, trying to push towards that. And that's the that's the thing, and you can you know, say that his his body is is struggling in these playoffs, and, and maybe that that is that is the case. But it's a build up over these three to four years that makes it impressive that they even got back to three in a row. But getting back to four in a row, it's it's a really hard thing, and that's why it doesn't happen as much as what you, know, you might think, given how good these teams are. It takes a lot to to do this to get into this far into the season to play from October through to June, like at at full speed for big chunks of that season as well. Um, it, it has to have an impact on all these guys. Otherwise, it, it wouldn't have been something that's been talked about as a, as a concern throughout NBA history of teams not being able to do that just because not only the physical fatigue, Lico, but mentally, like, they'd be just like, oh, man, like, we, we, we're still going, we're still going. Still when going. do we get a break? Even without them necessarily meaning to think that, it, it's in their head. And then, it, and then it doubles up in their head by going, oh, how, we can't do it again. I'm starting to get tired, and it, it makes them double double-think everything that they're trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. We have to take another break. We'll be back in a sec. So I thought Houston moved the ball a little bit better in this game than they did in Game 3. 
And I, it seems to be a recipe for them. You know, obviously, they pounded, they pounded, they pounded. But uh, it seems to be a recipe for them to get the Warriors out of sorts when they swing the ball from side to side, up and down. And I just, uh, I, I don't know why they went away from that strategy in Game 3. I just think if they, you know, rely on James Harden, who shot a ton of, of uh of three pointers in this game a ton of step overs step backs he was three of 12 uh you know that's that's playing right into the warriors hands uh but when they swing the ball they move the ball it makes things a little bit easier and they only had 12 assists in this game unbelievable to me but they did move the ball better than they did in in game three and i think it helped them out this is a team that averaged over 20 assists per game uh, during the season. So they have 12. That's staggering to see Harden with four and Paul with four. There would be games, and I don't even know this, this is accurate, but I reckon there would be games during the season where both Harden and Paul both would have had 12 assists in a game. And to only have 12 combined for the team is staggering. But you're right. They did move the ball more. They looked more into it. They looked more determined. They looked more focused than what they had in Game 3. Game 3 was always destined, I, I think, to be a little bit of a blowout, and this was going to be that comeback sort of performance. Um, but yeah, the, the way that they did it by looking at that box score, it is a, it is a real weird one. Also, you know, you're seeing so few minutes from Clint Capella uh, on Houston. And to think that you're, you're running so much with uh, PJ Tucker at center, and that's providing this value. He grabs 16 rebounds for the game, the highest in the game. And he's probably what's, look, if we're being generous, he's probably six foot five. Yeah. He's, he's, not, he's not big at all. Yes. It, he's not a big man at all and he's not a big man in comparison to other nba players he's obviously bigger than i am and, and most uh, most general normal size humans but that is a, a staggering thing that capella was only playing 24 minutes and they still you know were able to do what they did defensively is uh it, it's pretty staggering that d'antoni was able to work that through with that defense which again has been a really underrated defense all season yeah absolutely and then to go 12 of 38 from three and shoot below 40 percent for the game still managed to eke it out honestly it was it was an eker and they were able to bounce back with a huge fourth quarter holding the warriors to 12 points i i I don't understand how uh that's even even possible as a fan but as a as a a person who talks about the warriors for money uh i do think that you have to give credit to houston's defense a little bit you know, I thought they moved extremely well. You're, you're absolutely right. They were uh, they were active, and it led to more fast break points than the Warriors had. The Warriors only eight fast break points to 13 for Houston, but it led to offense. And that, I think, was one of the differences in the game, especially considering the Warriors out-rebounded the Rockets by eight. You know, there were there were swings in this game and both teams played well and both teams played poorly, but the Houston Rockets scored three more points than the Warriors. Yeah, that's that's pretty much all it comes down to. Like looking at the numbers, it, it doesn't appear like the the Rockets had a huge advantage. They shot worse from the field, they shot worse from three. They were out rebounded as well. And the Warriors did have six six extra turnovers, which is you know, not an ideal thing in a close game like this. But with the way this series has gone, you just feel like everything's going to reset for Game 5, and whatever happened in Game 1 or 2 or 3 or 4 doesn't really matter. There'll be adjustments, but then there'll be counter-adjustments. I think the status of Iguodala is going to be key because, obviously, 
without him, that pushes Looney into the starting lineup and the bench becomes much worse because Looney had been playing very well. What did you think, though, incidentally, of how Jordan Bell played today in his 18 minutes? Oh, I'm so happy that you brought up Jordan Bell because I'm so proud of him for how he's just he just came in and, and just uh, kind of provided a defensive flair that uh, that one that one swat into the into the stands really lighted up the uh, the entire arena. I thought I thought the Oracle crowd was fantastic. By the way, just to uh, to put that in there, sometimes they're not as fantastic as I'd like them to be. I thought tonight they were incredible. Um, but Jordan Bell was was a little a, a little special. You know, he came in and was poised. And I want to give credit to Kevon Looney as well, third year and and coming into the starting lineup. I didn't predict it. I predicted that uh, it would be Bell or potentially uh, Nick Young in that starting lineup, but they decided to start Looney. But uh, Jordan Bell in 18 minutes was just all around. He was just all around. Steal, block, you got it. Rebounds. And... His presence was felt defensively. I just, I really appreciate what he brought to the table. He was the only bench player for the Warriors who was a positive. As I said before, Young and Livingston were significant negatives. Bell was a plus one, so that's why that's not spectacular. The fact that he was the only player off that bench to come in and, and be a positive is key. And, uh, you know, I've been big on Jordan Bell all season, talking about how he can be this Warriors center uh, of the future, how he is going to fit in with this team. And you know, the opportunities there, he's clearly ahead of, of JaVale and, uh, and Zaza, especially in this series here. Looney's been playing well, but I think what Bell did today should give Warriors fans confidence that he can step in when it's needed and do a role in the rest of this series. And we saw that the two games they played against Cleveland in the regular season, if it gets that far, Jordan Bell, I think, started both of those. So he could be in for a significant role in that series as well. So it's good to see him get a a decent-sized outing here of those 18 minutes and perform very well in them as well. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Jordan Bell was, uh, you know, nothing short of, of uh, special in as you know, just as a rookie playing in his in, in the conference finals, you know, I, I actually saw this kind of glint in his eyes, or at least maybe I think I did. That was just so green, and uh, he was just uh, he was he was green out there, but it was exciting because he he brought that kind of that kind of flair that uh, that the crowd really ate up. Um, but I do want to get to Kevin Durant and just talk about him as uh, just uh, the force that he is. Obviously, 27 points on 24 shots, not ideal. But 12 rebounds, 3 assists, and just once again brings the fire. I mean, like, once again, just in 43 minutes was able to light it up, play some fantastic defense. I mean, he won the opening tip. You got te- you got Kevin Durant with a 7'3 wingspan, uh, you know, tipping up as a small forward against Clint Capella and winning the opening tip. And it was just, uh, you know, it, it was even better from there. You know, 12 rebounds and uh, 13 for Draymond Green. I do want to highlight Draymond Green's rebounding. Uh, Draymond has been a revelation on the boards in this playoffs, just, you know, consistently 13, 15, 18, you know, and it's, um, it's surprising. 
I'm actually surprised, but also six foot five and three quarters, you know, and all of that is heart. So uh, eight assists also for Draymond with with the double double, eleven points. But uh, just back to Kevin Durant, I just don't. He's a robot, and I don't know what to do with him. What would I? Uh, uh, I I I really need the Warriors to go back to relying on the Kevin Durant as an escape valve offense when they get bottled up like they did in game in this game and uh that 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 would satisfy me that would definitely satisfy me because he he just gets buckets yeah look he didn't look he didn't shoot well today but he he always when he's got the ball you look at it and you go look you feel like this is a really good shot of going in or him generating a good shot. So you feel like that is like the ultimate uh, release valve for an offense that does get clogged. And it, it didn't happen here. And that's why I was so baffled with him giving up that last uh, last attempt to Clay Thompson when he looked like he was either going to be able to drive it straight in or, or pull up and, and be able to take it an easy shot. He was bothered a little bit by Chris Paul getting really up close and defending him, even though he had the size advantage. He just seemed a little bit off his game in terms of getting those shots to fall with Paul right in his grill so maybe there was something to that there but uh, otherwise like he is he's just what he is he's the the best you know, scoring sort of wing that we've got in, in the nba the size is so hard to to combat but uh the rockets did a decent enough job but he still got 27 points as you mentioned yeah and chris paul will get up under you as a defender and likes to you know poke and prod and and do a lot of things that will get under even a you know six foot thirteen person's skin. And I, you know, I did talk about. I want to ask you this question. You may have seen this. Uh, Jordan Bell playing some minutes in Game Three, and went up for a rebound. Uh, he was boxed out well by Chris Paul. I think that Chris Paul, you know, that was a healthy box out. But Jordan Bell is about nine inches taller than Chris Paul and was just going to easily get the rebound anyway. Chris Paul actually backed up into uh, Bell's knees, uh, kind of undercutting him, and Bell kind of fell to the floor and was, was uh, you know, reasonably perturbed by the whole situation. And, you know, I saw it and I just thought that was completely uncalled for but uh chris paul is 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 that kind of player i was wondering if you saw that and 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 if so what 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 are your thoughts on you know how paul comports himself and in in these playoffs i didn't i don't recall that exact incident but you know the way you were describing it it doesn't surprise me with the way that paul acts chris paul's a great player he's a fantastic player one of the best point guards of all time but some of the things he does are just so irritating just little little things like that, the way that he will try and stop so a player runs into the back of him, just that sort of stuff. It's just not necessary. He, he's great as it is, and we know he can get irritating, but I, I don't know. It, it's frustrating when those sort of things happen uh, from Chris because they do happen you know, with, uh, I guess, regular, uh, with, with some level of regularity, um, but I, I didn't see that exact, yeah, or I can't recall that exact incident. Yeah, well, it happened. It was <laughs> not, it did not make me very happy. Uh, and nor did this game make me very happy, but I am extremely happy to have Josh Lloyd on my show. Make sure you listen to Locked On NBA on Mondays, where he breaks down the best from the weekend. And catch this show tomorrow. Stay thoughtful, Hoops Heads. <laughs>